Good morning. Are you going to bring up the first slide? Um, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 13. We will continue where we left off last week. Luke 13, we'll begin reading in verse 18. Then he said, this is Jesus speaking, What is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. And he went to the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you would begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I have a little statistical slide for us here. Notice uh, this wonderful news that Jesus told us here in verses 18 through 21. Uh, the kingdom of God starts out as a little mustard seed, and over time it's going to grow into a great tree, and the birds of the air are going to roost in its branches. Isn't that wonderful? And, uh, and the leaven, 
Many of you have baked bread. You start off with a little lump like this, but there's uh, some yeast in there, and before too long, it's like that. Isn't that wonderful? The kingdom of God. All these people, just starting from a few hundred disciples. Can you imagine? We've, we've gotten to the point today to, uh, uh, these are millions of professing Christians around the world on the left. Okay, so it maxes out at uh, 2,000 million, which is 2 billion. You following me? And these are the years over here. So here's 1,600, 17, 18, 19, and then 2,000. If that were stock, you'd invest in it, right? Isn't that great? So uh, it's just skyrocketed. See, it's, it, it curves up. In uh, math, you call that a, a positive slope. That's a, that's a good thing. The second derivative is greater than zero. That's good. And Andy laughed at that. He knows what it means. Two billion people today. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Yes, it is. Is it a good thing? How many think it's a good thing? <laughs> Uh-oh, they went down real quick. <laughs> we'll see in a minute. It's not all that good. No. It's funny. I went out on the web just to see uh, the commentaries. And this, almost every one of them said, Oh, this is a wonderful picture of the spread of the gospel and the triumph of Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful? Well, there's some problems here. First of all, if that's what Jesus is saying here, he's contradicting himself. Look back at Matthew chapter 7 real quick. Matthew 7, two very well-known verses. You'll recognize them right away. Verse 13. Jesus is speaking. And he says this, Enter by the narrow gate. Does that sound familiar? That was over in Luke, wasn't it? The narrow gate. He says, Enter by the narrow gate. That's the way you should go, he says. That's the way you want to go. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Okay? Where are these people going? They're going to hell. Destruction. That's what Jesus means. Eternal destruction. Many. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So, Jesus says here that few people out of the whole population actually end up going to heaven. Okay? You, you, you agree with that? You see that? So how do we explain what he's talking about here? To go back to Luke now in Luke 13. <clears throat> well, if you look carefully at, his, at the parables here, you'll see. Give me the next slide, please. Um, you probably recognize those. Those are mustard seeds. Tiny, aren't they? And that's the illustration Jesus used. Uh, there's a little dirt mixed in there. The guy just reached down into the dirt and scooped up. Beneath those little white round things is a mustard seed. They're tiny. Okay? Uh, next slide. This is some fellow who went uh, to Israel and uh, was looking for a very large mustard tree. 
The problem is the mustard seed doesn't produce trees. In fact, it typically produces a bush that's about four feet high. Now, he, he looked and looked. He got this right next to the Jordan River. So this is right out of Israel. Okay, and look. Now, how many birds are going to make a nest in that? Uh-uh, zero. So Jesus is talking here not about uh, a real mustard seed. He's talking about unnatural growth, you see. You, you got that? If this, he, when he's describing the birds of the air, more than one, nesting in this great tree, we're picturing an oak or something, you know, a big mighty tree. Not this thing. This is uh, the best a mustard plant can do. And you're not going to see any birds roosting in this thing. So Jesus is saying there's going to be an unnatural growth. And notice he doesn't say the church. He says the kingdom of God. He's saying there are a lot more people who say that they know God. But, ready? Many of them, as he says later, never did. That's the key. Next slide. And, of course, uh, if you ever bake bread, this should be familiar. You start out with a lump of dough on the left, but there's some yeast in there. And uh, this set around for 45 minutes, and that's the same lump on the right that you started with on the left. You notice it's bigger. In fact, in volume, it's about three times as big. If you let it set long enough, it'll actually get ten times as big as the original uh, lump of dough. Now, if we let it set that long, or even here, is there more bread here on the right than there was on the left? No. How, how can I put it? It's all air. Isn't it? It's not bread. It's not the good stuff. It's fake. Okay? So that's why Jesus used these two illustrations. When you first read it, it sounds like, oh, man, this is great news. Everybody's going to get saved, you know? No. He's been teaching all along that there are few who get saved. And most are deceived. In fact, he talked about the, um, the broad gate, the wide gate, and uh, the narrow gate, and the road that goes through each one. So uh, the brothers have helped me out here. There they are. We're going to illustrate them here this morning. I hope you can all read that. This sign over here says eternal life. Can you see that? That's the, that, that, that door is going to represent the uh, narrow, narrow gate. And if your brothers could help me now, I'm sorry. We're going to open the way to destruction here. I'm going to be embarrassed if I can't hold this door open, brothers. You want to come over here, Noah? It's going to close. Thanks. Okay, so we have two uh, choices here. And it's interesting. The wide gate, the gatekeeper is the devil. 
And the wonderful thing is, you've got a lot of choices if you want to go through the, the broad gate over there. He says, uh, you want religion? We've got a wide selection for you. You can have religion without Jesus. You can have religion with Jesus. Take your pick. If you want religion with Jesus, uh, you can have him the central figure, and we'll call it uh, Christianity. How's that? You know, it's got his name in it. That's good. Or if you don't want that, we'll just make him a good prophet or just a great man. Take your pick. That's the neat thing about the devil. He is so flexible. Okay. And he says, look, I'll guarantee you one thing. All of our Jesuses over here, they're, they're not going to interfere with your life. We promise. That's a guarantee. Okay. He gets a lot of takers on that. Uh, now, for those of you who feel you need some kind of a church experience, we got a great variety. You want entertainment? We got it. We've uh, eliminated those old-fashioned words, sin and hell. We promise that. And any, anything you can get outside, we got it here and better. You want humor? We got stand-up comics. We got professional musicians. We got drama, and we'll give you DVDs afterwards. All guaranteed to be 100% non-offensive. Doesn't that sound good, huh? When you walk out of our churches over here, you just feel really good about yourself. Now, maybe you don't want church. Great. We've got that too. After all, just between you and me, they're all a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Right? We have the best clientele that go through our door. In fact, every one of them is better than everybody else in the world. Figure that one out. Uh, you don't want heaven. I understand, right. You know, that's pie in the sky anyway, dreamed up by some, some guy who was uh, disappointed in this life and wanted something better later. You don't want God? You're a wise person, you know. In fact, scientists have already proved that there's no God. You're a smart guy. We've got it. You take your pick. Okay, whatever you want, we've got it for you. The wide road. And there are people crowding to get in. Lots of people, Jesus said. Somebody says, wait, uh, I think I remember reading somewhere something about we need to love God or something like that. Now, you know, I don't know. Don't I need to do something like that? And the devil would probably reply along the lines of something like, how can you love somebody that doesn't exist and that you can't see? Now, money. Hey, I, I can see. I can touch that stuff. That's real. A pleasure, huh? Don't you just love that stuff? And yourself. I mean, that same place that you heard that verse, you know what else it says? It says, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, how are you going to love your neighbor until first you've learned how to love yourself? <clears throat> uh, 
<clears throat> you know, it's funny. There's a verse in the Bible that says people will be lovers of pleasure, self, and money rather than lovers of God in the last days. <clears throat> okay, well, um, the devil does something else here. So you got the alternate signs there, somebody? <clears throat> He's done a little label switching on us. He's no dummy. <clears throat> there you go. <clears throat> so, the broad road is now called the good life. Huh? Isn't that good? And this place over here, this little narrow door... Nah, no fun, right? You don't want to go there. Well, okay, take down the uh, alternate over here. No, let's talk about the narrow gate Jesus was talking about. If you remember when we looked over in uh, Matthew... Jesus said it was difficult to get in this door over here. Why is that? In fact, you notice here in Luke what he said? Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Difficult. Strive. Why does he say that? I'll tell you why. You're going against the stream to get in that door. And it's not easy. In fact, there are three big forces trying to keep you out of that door. The first one is the world. Everybody's going that way. You ever, you ever left a, uh, like a concert or a ball game or uh, a, a movie, a theater, and you forgot something and you need to go back and get it? You ever had to do that? You know how hard it is <clears throat> to go against the flow? You know? Well, that's what you've got to do to get in here. Everybody's saying, wait, 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 you're, you're crazy. You don't want to go there. Listen, I'm serious. The majority can't be wrong. Right? Everybody's going this way. Okay? You're a fool. You're a weirdo if you're going to go over here. You don't want to do that. Next is the flesh. That, that's myself. And the flesh fights to go through that door. You know why? Because to go through that door, I've got to believe that I'm a sinner and that I deserve the judgment of God and I have no hope. People want to believe that? Do you really want to believe that? No. It's my flesh fights against that. I don't want to hear that. That's why the messages are so popular over there. So you're fighting against the world, you're fighting against your own flesh, and you're fighting against the devil. He's still contradicting God to this day, you know. If you're going to go through that door, first of all, you've you got to believe what God says in this word. And the devil's still saying, saying today, is God really sad? Did God say that? Look, when, when you eat it, you're not going to die. Right? It's okay. You're all right. <clears throat> it's funny. <clears throat> excuse me. When uh, <clears throat> he said to Adam and Eve, 
uh, in the day you eat of it, you won't die, which is directly opposite from what God said. He's carrying that same tune later when he's speaking, I hate to say this, through Peter. Remember when Peter said to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter said to him, this surely shall not happen to you. Same idea. And what did Jesus say? He turned to Peter and he said, get behind me. Who? Satan. Same message. You're not, no, 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 death, that's not for you. He's got a million of them. The other thing people don't like about this door, there are no options. What do I mean by that? Well, real simple. Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He said, this is the only way, through me. Real simple, real narrow. You think that's narrow-minded? <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's true. And praise God for those that uh, go through that door. And I know there are many here who have. Let me tell you, if you've never gone through that door, here's what it takes. You see, as you get near that door, you're going to see something just on the other side. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. And you're going to see him there. And as God begins to open your eyes, you realize he's hanging there and he's bearing your sins. Yours. I'm not talking about the world right now. We're talking about your sin. He's taking them right there on that cross. And you look at that and you say, oh, no, those are my sins. Lord Jesus, that should be me. And when you see him hanging there paying for your sins, you bow down and you say, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price in full. And you go through the narrow door. That's it. Give your life to him. The nice thing is, I like that uh, <clears throat> sign that we have over there that says, what does it say, not an exit? Is that what it says? Well, once you go in, you know, you can't ever come out. There's no exit. Isn't that great? <clears throat> both these, both these uh, doors, these gates, these roads, lead somewhere, okay? They don't just keep going and going and going. And that one leads to destruction. Jesus said that. There's an end to it. Okay? And there's an end to this one as well. And once you go through and you're locked in because you're in Christ, the end is eternal life, life with God. Hello, which hand has the marble in it? <clears throat> which, which door is the better door? So right now, <clears throat> this door is open. Jesus has opened the door. Which door have you gone through? Which road are you on? I want you to notice verse 25. Jesus says, When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, that's going to happen. Ready? Jesus is going to rise up
the door will be closed. And there are going to be people that are going to want to get in. But you're not going to be able to. That door is only open for a certain amount of time. And when it closes, it's closed forever. Jesus said that here. I can't imagine what it would be like on the outside pounding and saying, let me in. Because he's not going to open it for anyone. <clears throat> I've told this story sometimes, but there are many here who have not heard it. Uh, <clears throat> it happened when I was probably about six or seven. I was living in Vallejo. And uh, <clears throat> my uh, grandparents came by to take me for the day up to Napa where they had some friends. So here are my grandparents with this little six-year-old kid in the back of the car, and they get there, and uh, I get out. And I don't want to go into the, the house with them because they're going to do old people talk, you know. But fortunately, there's a little boy out front playing in the yard. And so they drop me off there, and I start playing with this other kid, having a ball. And uh, I don't know how long they were there, but uh, probably a couple hours, and they come out and they say, Rick's time to go home. You know what I did? You kids ever done this? I pretended I didn't hear them. Any, ki any of you kids ever done that? You've never done that, have you? No. So I continue playing. I, I'm having too much fun. You know? So, uh, Bert calls a little louder, Rick, time to go, giving me the uh, benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe I didn't hear him. Amazingly, my hearing was still bad. And I continued playing with this friend. He had a lot of patience. He called me a third time. Rick, get over here now. We're going. Well, by now I had developed complete deafness. And so I just ignored him. He did a very interesting thing. He and uh, my grandmother, Clara, walked down to the car. I heard both doors close. But I still didn't look at them. But I'm just kind of seeing, okay, what's going to happen next? And I heard the car start. He proceeded to drive down the street. I mean, out of sight. And here I am, little six-year-old kid in Napa, I have no idea. I, I might as well be on Mars. No, I'm serious. Hey, look, a six-year-old kid in the middle of Napa. I've got to get to Vallejo. That's where my home is. I started, I, I ran down that street. I'll never forget it because there were trees lined on both sides. And I remember as the tears were pouring down my face and the shadows in the sun. You know what I mean? Al alternating as I was running down that street, yelling for them to stop until they were out of sight. I've never forgotten that. That feeling of abandonment and hopelessness. And I sat down on the curb and just started crying. I tell you, I learned a lesson that day. <laughs> but uh, that, that feeling, I, I'll never forget that feeling of, of hopelessness. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to someone who wants to get in and it's too late and Jesus closes the door. You can't imagine. 
So look, don't, don't mess around with this. Okay? Don't wait. If Jesus is calling you, don't, don't do this, you know, well, I'll, I'll wait like I did. Because he just might close the door. Okay, well, uh, you may wonder, uh, when, you, when you preach a section like this in the gospel, sometimes it looks like, wow, what is this, why does this fit in here? This little section in 31 through 33 uh, about the Pharisees coming to him. And they said, you need to get out of here, Lord Jesus, because, well, they didn't call him Lord. Uh, Herod wants to kill you. And he says to them, you tell that old fox, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And on the third day, I'm going to be perfected. You know what it means? What does he mean by being perfected, by the way? I always love it when God uses words that I didn't expect. I thought he would say, and on the third day, I'm going to be crucified. But he says, I'm going to be perfected. What he means is the same phrase is used in Hebrews. That it was necessary to make our Savior perfect through sufferings. Jesus, as God, can't save me from hell. He's only the judge. But he's going to go to the cross here. And after he hangs there and pays for my sins, now he can be my Savior. He's the perfect Savior. That's what he's talking about. Perfected. Made the Savior. He's going to open, he's going to create that door. That door did not exist until the cross. You realize that? You know, you can't blame him for saying he's the only way. Because he is. He's the only one that died for my sin and yours. Then, finally, this uh, little section here, 34 and 35, is so beautiful and so touching. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the, we're going to teach right Bible exegesis here. The interpretation here is clearly he's talking to the Jews. And verse 34, he, he's in another one, he's, he's weeping over the city. You know, Jesus has wanted so badly for them to come to him. But what does he say? You were not willing. You know, the, you know that's the way it's going to be for every person when they face the judgment of God, they are not going to be able to say, Lord, you know, I wanted to come to you, but you didn't want me. Every single time he's going to be able to look at them and say, I wanted you so badly to come to me, but you just weren't willing. That's it. And that's what he says to them. This picture, by the way, how often I wanted to gather you. He's speaking as God. He said... Uh, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. He's looking back 600 years, 700 years to Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the other prophets that he sent as God to Israel. And he says, during that time and up until this day and all through my ministry for hundreds of years, how often I wanted to gather you to myself, but you were not willing. It's the heart of God breaking here. And so he ends with this uh, act of judgment. Verse 35, he's, 
He's temporarily, in a, in a sense, closing the door. He's blinding them. And so when he says, you're not going to see me, well, of course, they could go out the next day and see him teaching. What he means is they're not going to recognize him. There will come a day when, as a nation, they will recognize him and they will see him. But that's a day yet to come. That's the interpretation. <clears throat> but there's a beautiful application here as well. This picture that Jesus uses of the hen, the mother hen and the chicks, can be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a known fact that uh, hens have this incredible ability to just make a certain call and the chicks will come running. And the mother hen spreads out her wings and the little chicks all gather inside there and then she folds down her wings and all you see is a mother hen. You ever seen that, anybody? It's wonderful. And she'll do that at a time of danger. She'll see a, sh a shadow of a hawk <clears throat> on the ground. Or maybe, you know, out of the corner of her eye, I see a hawk circling overhead. She'll make that call. And the little chicks will come running. And she'll surround them with her wings. And it's happened more than once. The hen has called the chicks and they've come and gathered under that mother hen's wings. Next thing you know, that shadow's getting bigger and bigger. And that hawk comes down and there's a big cloud of feathers and some squawking. And then the hen is gone because it's carried away by the hawk. The mother sacrificed herself, you see. And there's stillness for a little bit and then one by one. These little chicks come out. They survived, you see. And they scurry off to safety. The mother sacrificed herself to save her chicks. Now look at a different picture. Jesus is on the cross. The wrath of God, the justice of God is aimed at you. Because of your sin. And it's coming your way. Rightly so. Here's an incredible thing. Jesus bore your sins in his body on the cross. And justice came. And, it, and God's justice didn't see you. He saw your sin. But it wasn't you. It was Jesus. And so the justice of God slammed into Jesus for your sins. Not you. For three hours... He endured the judgment of God for you. And you can be like that little chick, you see. Because when it was all done, Jesus was the one that bore it all for you. He paid it in full. And now you, like that little chick, can run to safety, you see. But there's only one place, and that's to the arms of Jesus, to the wings of Jesus, so to speak. Right there. That door that's still open. Thank God it's still open. I don't know why anybody would wait to come to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we wonder how many there are here today who have heard you call them. You've called maybe more than once. You've called again. And they've turned a deaf ear. Lord, we pray that 
They would not shut you out any longer. They would listen to your voice. And they would come before you shut the door. We ask it in your own precious name. Amen.